Welcome to the Higher Ed Happy Hour podcast, brought to you by Unincorporated, a higher education agency committed to building awareness and growing enrollment for universities. This podcast provides deans, senior admin, and faculty with the tools, resources, and information they need to grow student interest, design branded content, and launch new programs and courses. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Higher Ed Happy Hour. My name is Robert Johns. I'm the COO of Unincorporated, and today we're going to talk about media buying. As an agency, we're always looking for new ways to help our clients achieve their goals, and this year we've been able to bring on a new partner in iHeartMedia to help clients with their media buying efforts. And today we're joined by Ryan Lieberman, who is a senior vice president at iHeart, who's going to help us break everything down. So, Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. So to get us started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do at iHeart? Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, I'm one of the senior vice presidents uh, of sales here for the company. I'm actually based here in Southern California, but we help people uh, all over all over the country. And, you know, we, our teams, no matter where they're located, you know, are really right now helping clients specifically as, as it pertains to this call with our digital solutions that really not just help them as far as sales, but also what you're going to hear a lot of today, uh, really show attribution. Awesome. And admittedly, before, you know, a couple months ago, what I knew of iHeart was the radio station, the concerts, stuff like that. So what is what is iHeart Digital Solutions and, and how is that different from some of the other things that iHeart does? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, our, you know, I round up to nearly 900 radio stations across the country are still you know, really is the pride and joy of iHeart. It's really what the foundation of what we are. Our now marquee tentpole live events uh, are a big part of that. And some of these digital solutions really play a big role into those live events, right? From the jingle ball that's coming up, that's coming up right now to the um, iHeart Music Awards, Music Festival, the Country Music Festival, uh, Fiesta Latina, that we've added on, uh, they are substantial, but we have invested deeply into iHeart digital solutions, you know, based upon which we'll talk about just our iHeart app, which is a, a monster and a beast within itself. And then now moving into kind of like more of the, of the sexy tactics like OTT and podcasting. That's awesome. You know, we're a higher education agency and we're starting to recognize that it's becoming increasingly difficult to, to cut through the noise and reach an ideal prospective student. And it seems like more and more schools are competing for, you know, a smaller and smaller pool of these students, these prospects, which can make marketing very, very difficult and expensive and ultimately not very effective. And unfortunately, we've found that there are many organizations who have a set it and forget it type uh, strategy where they just create some ads, create their budget and say, you know, we'll hope for the best. From what I understand, iHeart's very different in that approach. Not only do they have an, an extensive network with a, a bunch of different tactics and, and tools available to them, but there's also a lot of strategy that goes into that. So I'm just curious how, how you've helped higher education institutions in the past and what solutions they're, they're using. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have a long portfolio and case studies of working with higher education and not just working with them, but you know, actually proving and showing results. I think kind of getting what you're into is that I'll, I'll kind of break it down a little bit, which is 
one thing, and you're probably aware of this as well, that we find our partners are looking to do and want to do is to actually work and partner with fewer vendors, right? Mm -hmm. So that somebody that can really work with them in all facets of this. That being said, you know, one of the things that really sets iHeart apart is that we have expert, literally expert subject matters for each individual digital tactic. So whether that's our social team, whether that's our SEM team, podcast, OTT, so on and so forth. And I think that that is a significant, significant thing to think about because that's what I think about is the true muscle of iHeartMedia, right? It's, it's not just me. It's the, the, you know, invisible people behind me. They're actually really doing the work on behalf of our clients. And that, that is significant. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, iHeart Radio app, as I mentioned to you, is a monster, right? So at this point now, it keeps evolving. Talk about 170 million users, right? Mm. So through there, we get first party data. Not to say we don't use third party as well, but, you know, really for the most part, other vendors are not doing that at all. We have access to first party vendor uh, data that we then share with our clients and partners which is substantial. And the other thing is what we've seen is the attribution and measurement, right? So when you talk about, say, the set it and forget it, right? It's like, how do we know this, what, what's working? Not just from a, a click-through rate, but even getting deeper into what we want to make sure that we're delivering on those KPIs that are most important to the client. And that is the most important thing. We, know we, we hit that right at the very beginning to make sure that to know those KPIs and to set up the reporting and measurement to make sure we're delivering on those. Our dashboards and our attribution are, we're fully transparent. Everything's in real time that we can either share with you and or give access to you as well. And we just think that's very important. And if I go even a little bit step further, you know, cause some people say, well, how do we, how do we measure things from an audio standpoint, right? So audio meaning, um, audio streaming via the iHeart app or audio from the podcast uh, network that we have, which happens to be the number one network uh, absolutely in the country. Well, we are able to actually show attribution for when we deliver an ad to somebody, an audio ad via those two tactics, we can uh, then measure if the person who, who listened to the ad then went to somebody's website went to the point of purchase. There's, there's, you know, we don't have to get too much in the weeds in it, but we are able to show, show those types of measure and attribution. Yeah. Two, two things that stood out to me there. The first party data, you know, with everything going on in Facebook and iOS 14, like all the changes that happened there, I imagine first party data is becoming even more and more critical and important to a sound digital strategy. So that's awesome to hear. So we talk about media buying. We talk about higher ed. Higher ed seems to be a bit of a slow moving industry, if you will. I don't want to generalize, but many of them are the same as they've kind of been for a while. However, the internet, digital solutions, apps, tools change what feels like every week. There's a new social media platform. There's a new podcast. There's a new widget or app. I'm just curious, how does iHeart keep up? Like, what is, what is iHeart doing to adapt to the, to the new way things are being done? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, this, you know, we, I think just a couple of weeks ago, we brought in another social, uh, you know, development into, into our portfolio. So it's, it's absolutely thing that's always evolving. I, I think to me, the most important thing is, especially in, in higher education, when we talk to our partners, right. And, uh, and love to hear your feedback, but it sounds like, you know, there's across the board, 
that the struggle is that admissions are down, right? And, and how, how do we combat that? Because a lot of the schools are doing, whether it's on their own social media, you know, they're, they're curating their own social media or they're doing, using somebody else for paid social media. They may be doing some quote unquote traditional digital tactics. Um, and so it is about what can we do to really stand out? And some of that is being a little bit more focused. What we do is we're trying to be a little more focused on who exactly it is we're trying to reach, okay? Where you want to reach them. So when I, meaning geographically, right. and from a geographic standpoint, you know, do we want to focus on a certain demographic? Do we want to focus on certain uh, specific areas, meaning high schools or community colleges, things like that? That is absolutely that's there. But one thing that stands out that I heard really has at our disposal, I mean, in, in dozens and dozens are influencers. Mm. And those influencers absolutely parlay into the digital, into the digital role. Right. So we, let's start kind of like right in our backyard, anybody's backyard. So any higher education's backyard, there's going to be a local influencer at their disposal. Especially in LA. No, no question. No question. Right. Um, and, and that when it, so I mean by a local influencer would mean who were the original influencers? The mm. original old influencers were radio DJs. Interesting. And they have not gone away. They have not gone away. They're, they are still tried and true and trusted without a doubt. And there's absolutely research to support that. And they can actually, as part of a being redundant here, but as part of a digital campaign, be part of that. Wow. Now take it on a bigger level. If it's in higher education that, you know, as a bigger level, well, yes, we have the ability to have the, the world ferals of the world, right? The Ryan Seacrest of the world. Uh, you know, we can go on and on as far as these very well-known players, that could be part of, of a campaign if necessary as well. Wow. I never thought of it like that, like DJs as the original influencers. Makes sense though, right? I mean, it makes sense. It right? makes total sense. Yeah. I'm curious because I'm used to, you know, growing up in the 90s, I might be dating myself a little bit here, but growing up in the 90s, radio was always in the car. You were always listening to the radio in the car. Now, many more people are maybe streaming Spotify or streaming the iHeart app or whatever. Do you find that people are listening to the radio on their phones now? Is that how it's kind of, is that how things are going? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's been the elevation of the iHeart app, you know, and that's, so what, how are people listening to that app? So the app is being used in several ways. One, they're listening to their favorite radio station, their favorite personality, no matter where they are, they can get that. So that, that's one thing. The other thing is they want to maybe listen to their favorite artist. Yeah. That's one way. And or genre. We target people in all those ways. The, the one thing that the streaming audio, I mean, it is, it is probably one of the most simplest of tactics that gets overlooked, yet is so important, right? This is, it's different than a radio campaign. This is not just where, hey, we're going to deliver so many radio messages within a given week. This is, we're guaranteeing you so many impressions over this time period, right? Based upon a geography and a demographic. So if you wanted to hit, you know, someone of a certain age, we can do it by several different ways. We just want to hit that demographic within a certain area and we're going to hit them and we don't care what they're listening to. So if they're listening to pop, if they're listening to sports radio, if they're listening to jazz, if they're listening to religious program or news talk, we're going to hit them. So we take away a lot of the guessing game as to what's my audience doing. Right. 
And then the other thing is too, yeah, we can also then target by genre because we feel, which we do know, certain demographics listen to certain genres of music. So, and we have all the data to make sure that we're delivering on those points. And I'm, and I'm sure it's, the, again, I don't know all the details. I sh- I'm sure it's the same for podcasts because one of the things that I thought was most interesting in the case studies that we were looking at was that you can you know, recruit for a very specific program at a school. A school could say, ah, we've got an MBA program and you could, I'm going to guess, say, okay, we're going to target people who listen to these particular podcasts because we feel like that is the demographic who matches an MBA program at this school in, I don't know, let's say Ohio, which is pretty impressive and something I, I don't think historically we've been able to, to do. Yeah, so po- podcast, very similar, couple differences, but not, not really. So for, it can do the exact same thing. We can definitely have genre targeting as well. So by genre, now we're talking about true crime, yeah, uh, comedy, financial, entertainment, sports, on and on. So there, there's a genre there as well, a genre there as well, or we target by geography and then we want to go after the right audience, mm. right? So we can, again, do it by a demographic that we choose. We've also built out for both podcasting and for streaming, what we call these uh, psychographic audience cohorts. So a lot of big words there, but essentially we've kind of built, because we have so much data on our audiences, have been able to sort of build, build out audiences that we feel matches a particular partner or client. So somebody that may be the ages of say 18 and 34, that are into gaming and may also be into certain things that they stream, things they watch, where they shop. We've cultivated all that to create this audience cohort. That's another great way to go after people, both from podcasting and streaming. And now we're gonna take a quick break. Want more of the most important higher ed news, insights, and perspectives, but don't have time to look for it? Visit unincorporated.com to subscribe to our higher education news brief, where you'll get the top stories in higher ed delivered straight to your inbox every Monday. And now back to the discussion. Colleges are trying to recruit what are essentially high school juniors and seniors. Do you, have you found, or, or do you find that that age group, that demographic is engaged with the iHeart app and with iHeart, you know, either radio or podcasts or concerts. I imagine Jingle Ball with that that age group is a big thing. I'm just curious about, you know, how iHeart approaches, you know, that maybe age group. Absolutely. From a, from a radio standpoint and a genre standpoint, you know, traditionally, which is kind of held true, a lot of our uh, top 40 uh, CHR, contemporary hit radio stations, definitely is going to skew younger. So, you know, we definitely have those stations in most of our markets to hit hit on that from a radio standpoint. We have all the data from a streaming standpoint, right? So there's no guessing game. We're only going to deliver to this specific demographic. So there's not going to be ways like, oh, I don't want it going to the 35 plus year old. No problem. We're, that's, that's not going to happen. So I think that's, that's the part that's, that's important to know. I mean, we're, we're only going to deliver based upon who the client wants us to deliver to. And I think that when we also talk about hitting these juniors and seniors, you know, and I kind of go back to some of our, the more traditional tactics, but I think being able to have like uh, our, our digital display tactics of which we would say our location display tactics, where we would geofence high schools, Mm. right. That, that would be in the area that a school tells us to, and 
people who are within that imaginary fence, if you will, would be served an ad from that college university. And then we're tracking that, right? We're tracking, you know, who received the ad and did they then click on that ad and come to the client site? So it's not about one thing, right? It's, it's typically, it's creating the right mix of tactics to create the overall campaign. Yeah. The, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was, and again, I don't want to give away any secrets or reveal identities that shouldn't be revealed, but I'm curious, what are some of the most interesting things you're seeing clients doing in the media buying space? We've talked a lot about different approaches and strategies and tactics, but I'm curious if you have like a specific, maybe example of something interesting that you've seen people doing in this space. The one thing that we're seeing that uh, is having the most engagement is across the board is, is video. Hmm. So whether that's video that's engaged, you know, start from like uh, different forms of pre-rolls into uh, videos that are part of social media hmm. and then going into OTT. Yeah. I was going to say, can you just tell us what OTT means? Yeah. So like, let's just say from the layman's terms, OTT is basically for we're serving streaming video to anybody who has cut the cord, right? So if you have a smart TV at home and you now are watching through a publisher, like say Sling and the fire stick and things like that, you, the commercials you receive are considered OTT. That acronym, don't love the acronym, but it means over the top. Mm. So that means you no longer have cable, right? That you are now just streaming video. And the beautiful thing about that is once again, we are able to target people right to a zip code and by uh, again, demographics and behaviors within that household. And so when you imagine thinking about OTT is, you know, the average OTT home has about seven devices because you have, of course, your big device, like the, the big TV that everybody is watching TV at home, right? Maybe, maybe two of them. And then you have your desktop, right? Yep. You've got a tablet. And of course, you even have your, your mobile device because if you have a subscription to some of those, you may be watching it that way as well. Right. So we can determine on a percentage basis, we have different programs determining, you know, how much we want to, you know, how much we want to deliver on the big TV, the big screen, and then to the other devices, because they're all, they're all valuable. We want to make sure that we're hitting on all those based upon how people are viewing OTT. Yeah. What about wearables? I was thinking about like, you mentioned devices. I didn't even think about like the Apple watch. Is there like a iHeart app for the the Apple watch or like the, the Google smartwatches? I mean, if it's, if it's, if they can download that, uh, I don't have an actual Apple watch. I've been yeah, actually, uh, do I. I've been trying not to, I just want to be distracted exactly more than I already am. But, uh, everybody, everyone else I know has them. So I don't know that for sure. I mean, if it's a part of the store, I would yeah, imagine. That's yeah. crazy. Always on, like literally always on if they're, they're wearing their watch. Well, when you think about it, from a streaming perspective, you know, let's talk about the Apple watch. So from a streaming perspective, let's just say you're, you know, if you're doing a workout or you're just on a walk or you're doing something who's within the, the house or the yard, mm-hmm. you have the ability to stream, you know, your, your station, what have you, and or stream the podcast you want to listen to. So, you know, I would say that the amount of actual podcast listening at home is actually the highest, which is actually a little bit, initially when I saw it, a little bit surprising because you think it's, oh, I'm just going to do it. I'm in the car and this yep. and that, but it, it's high. I mean, let's, let's think about it. Podcasts, and I know we're talking about OTT, but podcasts just a few years ago was literally nearly a $0 revenue generating, yeah. you know, um, uh, silo. Yeah. It is now hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And there's a reason for that. 
it, you know, it doesn't keep building that way if it doesn't work. That's crazy. I would, yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day, how, how quickly it, it seemed like podcasts were new and exciting and then they kind of went away for what felt like forever. And now all of a sudden, again, I don't know if it was maybe pandemic, people are at home looking for something to do. Podcasts feels like the past couple of years have just really popped and taken off, which is really, really cool. We've talked, you know, a lot about different approaches and different things that iHeart can do. I'm curious, there, there's a, a lot of things that probably other, maybe, I don't know, companies or whatever could maybe potentially claim podcast advertising or social media advertising. If you had to maybe just zone in on one thing that like sets iHeart apart from the rest, what would that thing be? As part of our digital portfolio? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, first and foremost, as I mentioned before, it's the first party data, right? right? It's, you know, and I think when we talk about that first party data from our streaming device, you know, we, we seem to forget it's free. Hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a free app. Okay, so you initially may say, okay, big deal. Well, I can download a lot of things for free. Well, it's free, but when we think about the other streaming scenarios that are out there, the majority of them, a high majority of them are subscription-based users. Totally. Which means that they're not ad-enabled, right? We are 100% ad-enabled. So it seems like, it may not be like this, this huge, you know, you know, wow factor, but that is significant. Yeah. So they're... We're not, we're not trying to say, oh, here's this, but oh, 50%, 70% will not be heard. It's 100%. So that's something that's significant. I think a lot of things with digital impressions, there's a lot of digital companies out there. There's a lot of like media companies that are out there. And I think if I could get potentially a little bit cheesy about this as an analogy, Do it. So I apologize, apologize for the cheese, but digital impressions are kind of like buying groceries, right? So anybody can go and buy them, buy the impressions. From the same kind of store, I think it's about, are you using the highest grade of ingredients? Mm. That's really what it comes down to. Are you using the best ingredients? The best, are you getting the best impressions, the best data yeah. in this case? And I think that's what, because everybody wants to believe that they're a chef. And I think that's why we have really gone deep into, as I mentioned earlier, to bring on these experts, as opposed to just one person who may be a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Which is kind of like what I like to call myself, right? As a jack of all trades, master of none. And I'm not the expert. We have them. And I think that's really the biggest difference. And I, I, one thing I've appreciated is the the dashboard experience and the reporting experience, which feels robust, I will say, unlike maybe other potential solutions where, you know, you might get a few. Uh, what I like to talk about in not a positive way, but is vanity metrics, People like to talk about clicks or impressions, and those things can be good, but in many ways, they're vanity metrics. Did it, did it translate to anything of value? And so I think that's another, another way that iHeart stands apart is their ability to report and give, you know, as you mentioned earlier, full transparency on the data. I don't know if maybe you, there's more to say on that, but I, I really appreciate that uh, from what you're offering. Yeah, we would like to say we give people, you know, the access to all the dashboards, they can see it in real time. And it's, yeah. it's a cool thing. And we do that. It's absolutely true. I think the reality is like, I don't know, five, 7% of our partners actually take full use of it. And the reality is a lot of people, they, they have a job to do. They're running a business. Totally. totally understand that. That's why it's, it's part of our job to make sure that we're delivering those results and, you know, showing you a way in a very consistent manner that, that can be read in an efficient way and to be shared. And, and nearly 25 years in this business, I've seen a lot of different types of dashboards and see how they've evolved. I think iHearts are, are 
are the best I have seen to date. And part of that is not just saying, okay, here are the impressions, here's your, here's your click-through rate from your OTT standpoint here, uh, how those results are measured and things like that. But one, I love like seeing our heat map. So mm. if you are a college university within a certain area, uh, this heat map, which you can zoom in, zoom out, you can see the exact areas where the impressions are being delivered and which and where the ads are being clicked on. Wow. That's cool. So you want to see like, wow, okay, so if I'm going to, uh, you know, I can see these zip codes or cities that are really hot right now for me. And um, it's just something that, you know, it's, it's about taking the whole dashboard and taking that information in. And, and being able to use the data, that's the most important thing. Like knowing the data is important, but if you can use that to, to optimize and to change your strategy a little bit to, to improve things, that's, that's where the real win is in my book. Yeah, I will, and I will say that, you know, believe it or not, we, there, are, there may be times where we, there's a plan and there may be a tactic as part of a plan that may not be performing the way it should be. Right. You know, we want to make sure that it, we're optimizing it and doing what we can. But if we look at that dashboard and we see something's not working, then we need to make an adjustment. That's, that's what the dashboard, one of the greatest things that it's there for. So we either have to fix that and remove it, look what's performing very, very well, Yep. Hey, we need to, you know, maybe add something here. This is, this is really doing well for us. So it's also about that, not just about, okay, here, here are the numbers. Yeah. I feel like you've made a really good pitch. You know, we've been talking about 20, 25 minutes or so of why somebody should do media buying and, and in particular do media buying with, with iHeart. But one thing we often hear from, from clients and, and maybe not specifically hear this, but we just kind of get the sense that marketing dollars are tight. Everyone's budget's getting smaller and they might be hesitant or a little scared to spend their, you know, precious marketing budget on media buying. They'd rather do content or, you know, other things like that. So I'm curious if you had to, to make a pitch to somebody who says, you know, I've got very limited money, but I want to try media buying or I'm like a little scared. Can you help me take the step, take the leap of faith, if you will, what would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, believe it or not, we actually do say we actually do say no sometimes mm. because in certain scenarios, if the right budget isn't there for certain tactics that we know it's going to take to make things happen, then we have to say no. Mm. And you know, there's you know, in some cases, is there can we start off small and do a test? Absolutely, but if there's not enough there to really be able to generate enough traffic for somebody, then, then we have to say no. So we, one thing is proven. So the one thing we have as well is we have a plethora of case studies, especially in higher education, yep. of digital campaigns that, that have worked with different tactics and how they have worked, whether that be for an open house, whether that be for overall admissions window that somebody was working on. So we have those that we're happy to share as well. And it's also proven is that the return on the, invest, on the investment for every dollar spent for certain digital tactics are also it's proven as well when done correctly. And, you know, uh, iHeart, we, we don't have, you know, we don't sit here and have these, these contracts and we don't have these different terms. It's why the reporting and those dashboards are so important. Right. And as we move along, if, if we're finding like we're not doing our job, then we can shake hands and say goodbye. But we are willing to put you know, our best tactics and our, and provide our best experts for your clients to put the campaign as our number one priority. 
That's awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, I don't think I even knew that. So that that's really awesome. Ryan, thanks a lot for for joining us today. It's been a Pleasure. fun conversation. And, you know, I know we're into the holiday season and it's going to be maybe a little bit slower here, but I'm looking forward to 20, what's next year, 2023? I feel like it's going to be an exciting year. So thanks again for your time. Anytime. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Higher Ed Happy Hour podcast. For more higher ed specific resources, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please visit unincorporated.com. Thank you.